0: at the life of Joseph, who goes essentially from a little boy in his family to prison pits, to uh, accused of crimes he didn't do, to becoming prime minister in the greatest nation of the world at that time, straight out of prison. But I want to speak this morning about down, but not out. And I'm going to surprise you. I'm preaching from the very same section of Scripture that Gabe preached on last week. Why? Because we feel like there's some different emphases and some focus there that God has for us this morning. But he gets up every time he preaches. Gabe, he tells us a story about how he wooed Fiona. You've heard the stories, eh? Look, he only had one girlfriend, so it's not important. Um, but, uh, but he's not the only one with those stories. I'm just going to tell you. See, I I had spent some time, I was playing sports overseas. I came back to Glenridge and Durban in the year 2000. We survived Y2K. Well done, people. We made it. And I came back and I walked into my local church where I'd been since I was 14 years old. And something was different. They hadn't painted the walls. Preacher hadn't changed. But something was different. There was a girl. A girl. A thousand people in the room, but there was one girl who had come out of the nightclubs of Johannesburg, the rave clubs to be specific, hot pants and high heels, <laughs> there we go. Let's get the details out there. She'd encountered the living God in a life group and come to church. And, 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 and uh, I was stumped because my friend came up to me and said, yo, I'm trying hard with this girl. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went to him, I told him, you got three weeks, my buddy, (laughs) to close the deal um, because some things can't wait forever. And uh, he couldn't close the deal. And so then I invited this girl, her name was Candice Enslin, now known as Candice van Kletzen. And I invited her to dinner, I thought "This this is happening. I was full of confidence in those days, so I thought it couldn't fail. So we booked dinner, we went to dinner, everything was going great until I bumped, up. bumped into someone I was studying with who had um, colleagues from uh, Toyota, China, Japan, and they all wanted to take photos with us on our first date, Candice and I posing with people from Japan. That was our first date. Then we went out, I thought it was going brilliantly. Like I thought, this is unbelievable, until we went outside and the, the treacherous suburbs of Durban, I thought, no, she can't walk across the road without <laughs> hand being held, so I reached out, and I felt this tentative hand take my hand, I thought, I'm in, walked across the road, there were no cars, it didn't matter, <laughs> so we got to the other side of the road, and right there in Silverton Road, Durban, was a low moment, a down moment, as she felt all the courage inside of her, say, so I just want to tell you, just come out of a relationship, just fall in love with Jesus, and right now I just love Jesus, and I'm not ready for a relationship, I'm like, What? <laughs> do you remember the photos we had? <laughs> it's already on social media. And, and, um, and, and, and she started to pour out how she loving Jesus and not ready for a relationship. And I went home that night so deflated. So deflated. But I realized this game wasn't over. So the flowers started. Even changed where I sat in church so I was nearer. You know that. You've got to do that sometimes in church. It's just strategic. And, and, and although there were days of down, because she, I mean, she says she rejected me more than once. I'm not sure it was quite that significant, but, uh, but, but the story doesn't end there, and the story I wasn't out, God was faithful to his promise, so I'm going to say that. But I want to preach about Joseph, because in the section of Genesis 40, our man Joe is in a down. He's in prison. Sometimes when you read the Bible, I don't know about you, but we read it like, yeah, it wasn't really that bad. No, this is proper prison. This is like you don't know when you're getting out, there's no parole hearings, there's no free Wi-Fi, no courses you can do, you just sit and wait, chained to a wall or another dude, you just do time. It's that kind of prison. I mean, this is a significant down, but when you see in his life and his story, he wasn't out. Because God hadn't left them. And I wanted to preach a few simple points this morning that I believe will help us in this journey because ultimately as we presented week after week, your promotion is not about your glory, it's about His. So why would we speak about something like promotion at church? Why? Because when God elevates His sons and daughters, where He raises them up, He creates opportunities and He brings them in, it's ultimately for His glory. And when we live there, when we find joy there, when we find strength there, I promise you, the ceilings are off and we might be down, but we're never out. And God calls us at this time. And I wanna jump into the story of Joseph and, and, and I'm gonna read it in sections by sections to help us. But it starts out like this. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, uh, uh, the king of Egypt, offended their master, the king of Egypt. And I just wanna jump in there because sometimes we read these scriptures and, and, and we go, well, what does that mean? Well, I wanna talk about our decisions in delay. As being massive in God's promotions in our story why because it says sometime later Now the reality is we meet Joseph at 17. He's sold into slavery immediately He's probably in Potiphar's house at 18 and anywhere between we know that at 30 he enters into the service of Pharaoh But two years before that he prophesies and interprets the dream So he spent anywhere between 8 to 10 years in prison This sometime later was 8 to 10 years Not 8 to 10 hours not a, not just a little blimpse in a in a moment he just did time no these are years that he'd spent in prison who's good in delay it's like you like I'm fun I just I so trust God that if it takes 100 years I'm going to hang around none of us none of us and I joked last week I said we are we are such an impatient generation that if we order a burger on this side of the building and we drive around to the other side of the building and it's not ready we throw a fit How could my burger possibly not be ready? I drove all the way around your little house. All the way. We're not good in delay. When the promises that God has spoken and the words that he's spoken into our hearts, into our souls, into our lives, when they are delayed, we struggle. And yet we look at Joseph's life and he seems to have this story under control. How do we know this? Well, it says this. It says, these guys who offended their boss, they didn't necessarily do anything wrong. They just offended Pharaoh. It says, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended to them. See, Joseph had an assignment and he attended to them, even though he was in prison. Well, my boss didn't give me a raise. I'm not getting an increase. I'm not getting the bonus that I really need right now. So I'm not going to do that. Watching on Instagram, and it's this, I don't know, slick-looking dude who's supposedly a billionaire saying, if you earn a salary, go in as late as you can, leave in as early as you can. I'm going, hmm. Not when I read Joseph. This guy's in prison. He's so faithful. He's so willing to do the basics that probably no other prisoners are doing. He puts his head down, and in putting his head down, he gets assigned People of significance coming from Pharaoh's house to be looked after. They get assigned to him. How faithful are you in delay? See, Joseph doesn't go, this isn't the perfect place to serve God. I'm not hashtag blessed here in prison. I'm falsely accused. I shouldn't even be here. I'm walking around with the label of rapist on my back. That's what he would have been in prison. He was a, a sentenced rapist. And yet he decides, I'm still a son of God. I might have lost my fancy coat, but I haven't lost my character. I'm going to take what's been assigned to me and I'm going to serve the living God. And if it means looking after a baker and a candlestick maker, I'm going to do that. Yes, I know that he's not in the Bible. But the first thing that's important when we look and we start understanding about this guy, Joseph, and saying, God, what does it have for us? I'm telling you, we've got to become good in delay. We've got to be able to trust God even when the evidence is not there. It's the essence of faith. It's the very essence of our faith. The fact that we sing together on a Sunday is not the divining proof of our faith. It's the fact that God is God. And I root myself in Him, and I'll wait there as long as I have to wait. And I'll be faithful in that place, because there's no perfect place to serve God. And there's no perfect time. And the story of one day when I'll I'll be able to partner in financial giving, I'll be able to partner in, in serving others. One day when I'm just that much more refined. No, I nearly didn't preach the first sermon I was asked to preach. You know why? I was so nervous I'd let out a swear word. That's how real this thing is. I had never preached in my life, and they phoned me and said, you're going to preach. I'm like, okay. The night before, I had this. I, don't, I didn't even swear. Like, I thought, I'm just going to get up there and go, ah. stupid, irrational fear. But we let stupid, irrational little fears about the place that we're in and how bad we are and how we aren't measuring up to the mark stop us from walking into what God has for us. Secondly, this, and you're going to have to get more excited because I'm excited this morning. Secondly, this an earthly sentence cannot, cannot, cannot derail a heavenly assignment. It says this the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended to him. This was an assignment. And they had been in custody for some time. Each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each of them had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with them in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? You see, your challenge, the challenge for all of us is that we have earthly sentences, And our sentences look like our past. Our sentences look like our failure. Our sentences look like our status in life or lack of it. Our sentences look like sometimes broken, divorced, in healing, on a wholeness, in marriage. We have all these different sentences, but they are earthly sentences, but we start to let them dictate what God would do with our lives. Joseph doesn't do that. Joseph says, I've received an assignment, and this assignment's from heaven. God called me to go off the people. One day, a nation of people. That was God's design here. Just so you know, where we're heading, spoiler alert, is Joseph goes from this same prison to second in the land, prime minister of the nation, to look after, not a nation, a nation of people. God says, I need to take you on a journey where you understand that even though you have an earthly sentence that looks like prison right now, and maybe something of your sentence in life right now feels like a prison, Maybe on Thursday nights when you got the words that that they'd put the interest rates up, there's something of a prison wall sound coming down. I don't know what it looks like, but I want to tell you the heavenly assignment God's got for your life is alive and well and established in the throne room of heaven. And when we believe that, we live it and we start walking in faith like this man does in the midst of a prison. He's just walking around. He sees these two guys and asks a crazy question. Why do you look sad today? They're in prison. (laughs) Who hasn't offended their boss? None of us went to prison for it. There's no labor laws. They're in prison because they offended their boss. They're in a dark prison, a gutter prison. They're not in fancy prison. And Joseph sees more than just their sentence, their story. He sees their emotional state. Because he's called to look after people. Because God's assignment for all of us is always people. He says, why do you look so sad today? Will we be people who are different? Not walk into the office and, and and maybe there is no bonus. Maybe there's no increase. Maybe there's a decrease and everyone else is going, this is ridiculous. Could we walk in with a different spirit and see people? So I'm telling you, that's when we see miracles. That's when we are perfectly primed for God's promotion in our lives. When we understand that even though we have earthly sentences, is a heavenly assignment that God calls us to. And when we start to understand, live, live in that, I, I was 19 years old, and my earthly sentence at the time was, my parents got liquidated, everything dried up, they had to move cities. I, I, I was known as the cockroach amongst my best friends. Because I would pitch up at their house at like six o'clock at night going, what are you guys doing? <laughs> we're, we're about to eat dinner. Awesome. <laughs> I just have to pitch up at their house to eat dinner and to, find, uh, yes, and yes, Durban, there are lots of cockroaches, but, um, but because there was an earthly sentence in my life. At that same time, I started working, and, and I, I went to what I was good at. One of the things I could do a bit was play cricket, and this guy, Michael Flockhart, had a coaching academy. There were two in Durban, and he had developed it over about seven or eight years. He was my senior. He says, hey, will you come coach me? I coached for him for about three or four weeks. Then he said to me, hey, I've got this opportunity. I, I can take my coaching academy to England, the English cricket board looking at it. Will you look after my academy? I'm like, you've known me for three or four weeks. He said, yeah, you're the only guy who won't drink away the profits. I'm like, okay. The rest of the guys were doing it for drinking money. And so I, I looked after his business. I didn't steal a cent. Cash business. We grew the business. Got two new schools And He came back four months later I said, here's your business, here's your money, here's your story. He said, actually, my business has just been purchased by the English Cricket Board. I'm moving to England. You can have it. He gave me everything. He gave me the client base, he gave me everything. At 19 years old, I got handed a business. But I'm telling you, if I hadn't looked after a business well, I was still blessed by God, but I wouldn't have walked into what God had for me. That business paid for my studies. I used it, I ran it for four years and was able to give it away after four years. I just tell you that story because I want to tell you we limit what God can do because of our sentence. But God's always got a bigger story. If we trust Him, if we'll be faithful. Two more points simply this morning. That the gifts in your life and the gifts for my life aren't just made for the fancy, comfy church seats of a church. But our gifts are for the gutters. Let me explain. We both had dreams, they answered. But there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. Why do they say, We both have dreams, but no one to interpret them? Why? Because they're in the gutters. Who interprets dreams? No, people interpret dreams for Pharaoh in his courts because fancy dream interpreters come to him and divine has come to him and everyone comes to him. And I'm telling you, even in the church, we start thinking and living like g- gifts and spiritual gifts and gifts of Romans 12, gifts that we've spoken about, this gifts of generosity, gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing, gifts of faith, gifts of whatever, leadership. We start thinking those are to be expressed in and through the church because then it's for kingdom purpose. And I'm telling you, that's wrong. It's far too small. Yeah. Your gifts aren't to be practiced. Oh, I'm going to church. Mm, God, what do you, what have you, grace, gift me for? I'm never encourage someone today. No, encourage someone at work on a Monday morning with spiritual encouragement. And so Joseph knows this. He says, "Well, my earthly sentence is, but I've got a heavenly assignment, and yet I've got gifts in my life." And the the more mature, slightly more humble Joseph, after a number of years in prison, doesn't do what the 17-year-old Joseph would have done. He's like, tell me your gifts. I got your answers. He says, actually, God can interpret your gifts. Tell me your dream. Because he's got a revelation that his gifts wouldn't just work in the courts of Pharaoh. They'd also work in the gutters of the prison. And I'm telling you, church, the gifts upon your life we're not just designed for church meetings, not designed for life group meetings alone. If you've got a gift of prophecy, cool, prophesy. In the business forums, in your meeting rooms, in your boardrooms, prophesy. you got a gift of leadership, well I want to lead, I want to lead in church, well, yes, lead, lead. Stop thinking that the only expression of the spiritual grace gifts that God gives us that's mentioned in Romans are just for church, it's too small, it's for his mission. You know where his mission is focused on? Out there. Out there. And God's saying, actually, let the gifts go. And and I want to tell you that if God has done something of making you excellent in an area because he's gifting, don't ascribe too much attention to yourself. Give him all the glory like Joseph does. He says, I can't do it, but God. The same Joseph has a promotion opportunity. He's in prison, and he gets called to Pharaoh one day. It's his one chance to get out of there. Pharaoh says, no one else can interpret my dream. Can you? You know what Joseph says? I can't. But the God of heaven can. A very different Joseph to the 17-year-old Joseph we met six weeks ago. God is fashioning us, and I'm telling you, part of the fashioning is there are grace gifts on your life and my life that if we just keep them for the pan- fancy part of life, Sunday church, when we get dressed up and we go fancy to church or when uh, oh, someone's playing the keys there and, and, and it's, their environment's just right, now the spiritual gifts come alive. Now I'm telling you, we've missed out so many opportunities to minister God's grace to a broken and dying world. And lastly, and this one's a big one. Are you with me? A heavenly assignment demands a truthful response. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream I saw a vine in front of me and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said, the three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put, your, and will, you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cup era. But when all goes well with you, and this is the little human. Insecure side of Joseph. He just says, When all goes well with you, remember me, show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of here. He doesn't want to be here. I'm not saying he wants to be here, he doesn't want to be here. He says, I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream on my head with three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket. That doesn't even sound like a good dream on a good day. Like, I don't have to have the gift of dream interpretation. That's not a good one. He says, this is what, hap- what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, of Pharaoh, three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole and the birds will eat away your flesh. He just put that in just to clarify what will happen with his flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, but he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. I want to tell you, if we want to walk into all that God has for us, We've got to become radical truth bringers. This is a radical scenario. Yes, it's a spiritual gift operating, but let's pull that back one. Say, so actually, the one guy brings his dreams. They're all in prison, and they all want to get out of there. Even Joseph says, he has your dream interpretation. You, in three days, you're going to be back serving Pharaoh. I don't know how you offended him or what you did last time, but he's going to forget about that, and you're going to be back serving him some wine. Now the guy comes, says he saw a favorable response. Who doesn't want a favorable response? Many come to church going, I want what that guy's got. I want that story. Uh, I want that word. I want that gift. Says actually, hey, Joseph, what about me? I've got some birds. They're landing in my head. They're eating out the basket. Says you are going to have your head chopped off and be impaled. Doesn't sound very gracious now, does it, Joseph? Doesn't sound very loving doesn't sound like you're actually encouraging the individual, but there's something within this guy, Joseph, of a radical truth-bringing spirit that I think is the most honoring thing we could ever bring. I'm telling you, there's a lot of language in church about a culture of honor. There's a lot of language in and around church about having a culture of honor. Have you heard it? I'm telling you, you cannot have a culture of honor in your marriage unless there is a commitment to radical honesty. I'm telling you, you can't have a culture of honor in church unless there's a commitment to radical honesty. The Bible says, actually, better the the wounds of a friend who loves you, who brings an honest word to you. Oh, but I could never do that. I'm a soft, gentle person. The Bible doesn't say that Joseph's an ogre doesn't say he was a hardcore individual. It just says he walked into everything God had for him. One day he's been prepared to stand before Pharaoh. Can you interpret my dreams? I, I don't know. Is that a good answer? Should I say yes? Should I say no? He doesn't do any of that. He just goes, no, I can't. In that moment, without even getting to the second sentence, Pharaoh could have had his head taken off. I'm telling you, we have to have a radical commitment. You want to walk into everything God has for you, for His glory. There's got to be a radical commitment to being a truth bringer. What's the point of sitting next to a bed with a person dying in it when everything inside of me believes in an eternity available in Jesus because of one thing, the blood of Jesus, sitting next to someone, they're saying, how am I doing? And I go, your hair looks great. You've built a good financial base to leave to your kids. How does that help them? It doesn't help them. I've got to tell them about Jesus. I've got to share the ultimate love of Jesus with them. And so do you. When someone sits with you and says, oh, I really, really, really love this individual. But you and you go, well, that's great. And they say, but, I, but the only way they'll stay with me is I'll sleep with them. Because that's the norm of the world. What do you say? You say, I'm telling you, I love you. And with the most gracious tone available, I wanna tell you about Jesus, who is your lover of your soul. And if you will trust Him in intimacy, He will give you the desires of your heart. If you will trust Him and make decisions to trust Him, every desire for intimacy and love in your life, I'm telling you, He will be faithful to. And I know this isn't what you wanted to hear. You wanted me to tell you that God is gracious. He'll overlook it. He'll overlook it. No, the Bible says in Joseph's life, run. The Bible says in Ephesians, not a hint. i mark you being legalistic and harsh. This is the most loving version of me. It's called the truth of Jesus Christ, the way and the truth. And I'm telling you, church, we start making statements like, well, we're not as bad as that individual who just tells a little fib. And we start watering down this little truth. And we start coming to our bosses, well, if, if I show them this part of the financials, but I just hide this one. We start saying, it's the end of the year, if we just go to a customer and we say, well, buy a little bit more and you can return it in the new year at a higher price, but we all make a buck along the way. I'm telling you, we are diluting the potential for God to get his glory in our lives. We're diluting. God's saying, would you be radical truth-bringers, like my son Joseph was in prison. And as prime minister, he never changed. Why? Because there's a God in heaven who is jealous for his glory from your story. Now, we've got to find grace, and we've got to find words, and we've got to find tone, and we've got to have love in our eyes. But I'm telling you, in these times where your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth, no, the Bible says there's just one truth. His name is Jesus. It's his word. It's his way. I'm telling you, in the areas of sexuality and gender, there are battles raging, and we are entering into conversations the wrong way. The right way is Jesus said. So pastor, what do you think about is there male, is there female? No, Jesus said we made them male and female. Not me. I didn't choose. I'm not the designer. There's one, his name is Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit. They were there. They were hovering over the Spirit and said, let's breathe life. Be a truth bringer. Can we stand together this morning? I really hope. Our decision's in the delay. I don't know what your earthly sentence is right now, but will you call on heaven to hear a heavenly assignment? It's a vision, greater than any business plan. Vision on a wall. And I think the challenge of this situation with the baker and the cupbearer challenges us in an age of relativity. Everything's relative, everything's subjective, everything's contextual. Well, you, you're Mark, you're not in the first world. You know, it's different here. No, there's some things that Jesus spoke about clearly. There's some things the Word of God speaks about clearly. It says, actually, church, will you stand? And it translates to how you serve your bosses on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Will you stand? Will you find courage in my presence? Can we close our eyes just for a moment? Spirit of God, you are here. Mm. You love your people, God. Jealous for your glory in and each in and through every person's story in this room this morning. To those sitting up top, to those at the back, to those at the front. I pray as we look at this man Joseph's story. I don't want to see the fancy coats. I don't want to get overwhelmed with the possibility of prison, Lord. I just want to see you. I want to see you at work. I need to feel you at work in my life, God. I pray, God, even as we preach this incredible text, would you challenge us and would you charge us? I speak now to business owners. I say radical truth. Be true to your word. If you made promises to staff, I challenge you, be true to your word and trust God. Trust God. If you made commitment to bosses, I charge you this morning, be true to your word. Don't be true to their ability to keep their word. Be true to your word before your God and watch what God will do. Why? Because God wants to get his glory from your story. So God, I pray your grace upon each and every person this morning. I pray your power. I pray where some are lacking and saying, Mark, but that's not my character. Not. I pray coverage and conviction to have relationships. I pray for husbands and wives in this room this morning to have courageous conversations. Courageous, with grace, and life and love, courageous conversations. I pray for friends to be able to have courageous conversations with each other. Ultimately, Lord, for one thing, so that you would get all the glory. We will worship you. As we began this morning, we end this morning, there is no one like our God how great is our God, how great is our God, how great is our God. We worship you, we adore you, we give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Mighty God, we worship you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.